Let's get it. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. We are back at it once again. Welcome back, everybody, to the Chef's Kitchen Podcast. I am your host, Seth Thorpe, a.k.a. Chef Seth. And today we're cooking up some spicy content for you. I hope everyone's having a great morning. I know this episode's late. It's supposed to go on Saturday, but I did it Sunday. I'm very non-disciplined with actually getting these episodes up. But I, hey, I'm going to get them up one way or another. And just the actual day of doing it may be a little questionable. So we'll go about that as we go along. But, man, I just want to say thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. If you're listening on any of these streaming platforms like Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of those, please rate the podcast five out of five stars if you enjoy so we can keep moving up the algorithm. And if you are watching on YouTube, I would very much appreciate it if you, let me click out of that real quick, it's a little loud. If you're watching on YouTube, I would very much appreciate it if you would uh, like, comment, and subscribe and share this podcast with any other avid hoop fans that you would love to share this podcast with and want to have a discussion with. Because I feel like that's one of my biggest qualities is that I want to open a discussion for many other people to join and really feel like they get involved when they talk about hoops. But with that out of the way, let's get into the episode. Today, we're going to be talking about a few things. Uh, let's start out with our usual beginning topic. What happened last night in the NBA? Saturday night in the NBA is usually a fun, exciting time. Usually, some of the best games are played on a Saturday night where the lights are extra bright. And yesterday, they were. Only six games were played, and I'm only going to cover two specifically because I really don't care about the rest of them. Uh, <laughs> well, the Spurs, Hornets played, Magic Grizzlies played, Trailblazer, Timberwolves played. And Sixers Heat played. I really don't care about those. The only two games I care about are the first games of the evening and the last game. The, let's start with the first game of the evening. Kings versus Mavericks. Yes. The Kings versus Mavericks is what I'm calling the more important game. I know that might be a little insulting, but this was a really interesting game. So, since the, <laughs> since the beautiful trade that the Pacers were blessed with by the Sacramento Kings that sent DeMontis Sabonis, to Sacramento for Tyrese Halliburton, as I have clamored many, many times before, and will clamor many, many times after. It's such a beautiful trade for my team. For the King, go fuck off. You fucked up. Thank you so much for being so incompetent. But, <laughs> uh, okay. But beyond that, the Kings had the Kings of Mavericks had a really good game last night. Deer and Fox was a career high. 44 points, looking a lot better now that he doesn't have to share the ball with someone like Tyrese Halliburton. See, that was the problem. Fox and Halliburton, they both need to be the main point guard ball handler to be effective. And the problem is, like, it's hard for them to develop together because it just hold, they just hold each other back no matter how good they are, no matter how good of friends they could have been, and it probably were. It just didn't work out. So that's why they made the trade for Sabonis. Sabonis, he played nice. He's actually been playing real... Excuse me, I need to stop burping. He needs to play... He's actually played really well in Sacramento in his time there. But yet, they are still struggling to win. They have now secured their 16th straight losing season. Which is the most in NBA history for most losing season, season consecutively. Pretty sure it's 16. It might be 17, might be 18. But I remember reading 16 off of what I saw. 
and I was capped off tonight with a loss <laughs> off of a Dorian Finney-Smith game winner. Yes, Dorian Finney-Smith, one of the my favorite role players. He followed me on Twitter for a little bit. I don't know why he unfollowed me. Very sad. If you're listening to this on some random whim, Dorian, please follow me back. I appreciate it. I was actually very happy you followed me, and I bragged all my friends that an NBA player followed me. I was so happy about that. But despite that, the Mavericks, without Luka, were able to take a, a win <laughs> from the King team, which when you're the King and you make a trade like that where you give up your most valuable asset in Halliburton for someone like Sabonis, who only have two years left. Every win, every game is a must-win, especially if your goal would make the play-in in the competitive bottom of the West. Every game is must-win, and you keep fucking losing every <laughs> every game. Keep losing every fucking game, which is a problem. So I don't believe in this King team at all. I don't believe they're going to make the play-in. I believe they're going to get a very low lottery pick, take some player at a position they don't need because they just like doing that like they took Davion Mitchell who's good he's gonna be good in the future but I mean back when they had Boogie they kept taking centers why did you keep taking centers if you had DeMarcus Cousins he needed guard play no Rajon Rondo who didn't want to be there is not gonna help you no Isaiah Thomas was not gonna help you at the time it just man they keep they just don't know what the fuck they're doing but beyond that the Mavericks played well Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans are looking a lot better now that they're actually here in Dallas. And I think that is contributed to them not wanting to play in Washington. And also just having a high-level playmaker such as Luka Doncic to fully activate them and let them go. See, having someone like Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson, you now have not only just Jalen Brunson taking some ball handling doing anything from Luka. You have Dinwiddie who helped a lot more and has been a, a lot better with his flow. He's been shooting better. He just looks more natural within his offense. And I think Jason Kidd, a coach who was coming into this job and people were wondering what the hell are the Mavericks doing, are now looking at him and thinking that he's definitely stepped up. He's taken a lot of notes, and he's definitely improved as a coach. And I think it's shown his defense. Defense from the Mavericks have been amazing this season. Despite the personnel not really being what you expect from a defensive team, as you would imagine, but his team is doing phenomenal offensively. And when you have Luka... As your best player. <laughs> Let's see how far Luka Ball can get you in the playoffs. I believe he can get you far. I really do. I really do believe Luka Ball can get you far. And as of right now. With the Mavericks. They would face the Utah Jazz. As they are slowly creeping up on that fourth seed. I think I think the top three seeds between Suns, Grizzly, Warriors. Are all capped off right now. I think that's going to be the top three seed guaranteed for the West. But that four, fifth seed. It definitely up for grab by anyone. And that's really exciting. <laughs> now that bottom seed for the Kings. Yeah, you're not getting that. You're three wins behind the Pelicans who have that on hold. And you still have to compete with the Spurs and the Trailblazers who currently hold not only tiebreakers but better records over you. So your your season's done. I don't care how hard you play. I don't care how Good you believe in yourself. Sacramento, your season's over. Another lottery season. And next year is really going to be your year. See if you can make the playoff finally. But that's enough for the Kings-Mavericks game. I went on a little too long for that one. Let me get a drink or something. I'm thirsty, man. I get thirsty ranting about the Kings, man. I fucking love it. (laughs) 
Oh my god, the Kings are terrible. I love it. Oh my god, and they gave us a second round pick. They gave us a pick. No, wait, no, we gave them a second. We gave them a second. Yeah, that's what it was. All right, and now the, fi and now the final game of the evening, the one and only amazing matchup we see every year when it comes along, Warriors versus Lakers. <sighs> Just like last year, it was a fucking duel. This year, it was a duel once more. Lakers win 124-116. Steph Curry having a good game with 30 points. Jordan Poole coming off the bench with 23. John King Kaminga actually hitting a couple threes and ending with 18. Uh, but other players such as Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, not really playing as well. But the man of the evening, the man of the hour, the one that everyone wants to talk about. LeBron James, the kid from Akron, Ohio. 56 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. <laughs> Was a dominant throughout the entire game. Had a <laughs> had a heat check moment. Literally hit a three on the wing, then hit another one on a step back. And as an announcer, I think it was Jeff Van Gundy. I think he said heat checks don't really work. As he said that, LeBron dribbled in one step, step back about like thirty to like the thirty foot place of the three point line, bang out three, bang bang. <laughs> and that led the Lakers to winning in the end. And that was a shootout. Like, this team offensively was just on point. And I think, and Russell Westbrook didn't play bad. He had 20. I was watching him in play. I don't know what the splits were. I didn't really care for the splits. But he was just kind of doing good. He was just playing bully ball. He knows no one on the Warriors had anyone who could actually guard him inside. I mean, Kevon Looney, good role player, but he's like he only played 13 minutes for a reason. That's why they had Jonathan Kaminga playing off the five more often than not because the Lakers went small and Kevon cannot keep up with small stuff like LeBron at center. LeBron at center has actually been one of the most exciting experiments I've seen. And no one's really talking about how LeBron at center is probably one of the more impactful <laughs> probably <laughs> I mean just this man really played every position I mean really he had played every position I mean maybe there, he hasn't officially played shooting guard but I mean what does it really matter I mean he'd officially played point guard and shooting guard they're both kind of interchangeable depending who you are same for Austin Reed same for like not Austin Reed same for small forward and power forward interchangeable for the most part but center, him playing center and actually holding his own. I know it's against the Warrior team who don't have any actual bigs until they get back. Someone like James Wiseman. But it's still nice to know that they're in there. And what does it say about the Lakers season? Is this going to be the turnaround point for LA? Because I remember saying last week, or I remember thinking earlier this week, if I didn't say it on the last podcast, I thought the Lakers season was over. I thought whether they make the play-ins and make the playoffs or not, that this season was a wash no matter what happens. But after that game, with LeBron going amazing, going bonkers, going bananas against the Warriors, it could be a turnaround point. Currently, they are sitting at that very coveted nice seed behind the Clippers. As I last time checked, yeah, nice seed behind the Clippers. And they would have to play the, as the playoffs started today, they would have to play the Pelicans. Who I is unless Zion comes back. Oh, now that I think of, hey, hey, hold up, hold up. I I just now realize that Pelicans and Lakers is more than a possibility for the play-ins. Hey, that's actually kind of cool. Now that I think about it, because of the whole Anthony Davis trade. Now that's kind of fun. 
Oh, I love how the NBA worked. Yeah, so Clippers and Timberwolves will play. Loser is that goes play winner of Lakers Pelicans. And let's say Lakers beat the Pelicans, and then Lakers go beat the winner of Clippers T Wolves, whoever that may be. And then they make the playoffs, and then they would be this. They would have to play the Suns once again if they have Anthony Davis back. I don't know honestly. This Lakers team is such a fucking wild card. You have LeBron James. You have LeBron James. You have, as long as LeBron is on the court and has all of, and is just not dead while on the court. Actually, Le, the courts of LeBron James might actually still give him give you a chance for a championship. I'm not counting his corpse out. I believe his courts give you a chance, but yeah, LeBron James are gonna give you a chance no matter what happens. So that's just that's just a testament to how great he was. And I mean, the way you were watch, I was watching him play last night. He was just a godly. I mean, no one could stop him. I mean, I wasn't going to stop him. Fucking Kevon Looney couldn't stop him. Not having Draymond really hurt them. They were just beating up in the paint. Can I actually see? I can actually see. Let me go find that. Let me go find the game and see how many uh, points in the paint the Lakers had versus the Warriors. So Westbrook had 20, and I know he shot three, but let me see. Points in the paint. Points in paint. Yeah, 48 of the points in the paint. Lakers can't defend the paint either, so they give up 54 as well. But, yeah. So, that's kind of what happened with the Lakers versus Warriors. Very good game. Enjoyed it thoroughly. But now, I think that's going to trend. But that has implications with that loss from the Golden State Warriors. And this is going to take me down two paths. And I'm trying to figure out which one I want to go down first. Do I want to go down the where is Westbrook going to go next season path? Or John Morant is amazing path? Who, who, hmm, hmm. I think I'm gonna do the John Morant right now, and I think at the end of the episode, I am gonna talk about Westbrook and where he could go next season, because there are reports that he, there's no, there's negative chance that he will come back and play next season for the Los Angeles Lakers. But until the end of the episode, we are gonna talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, who after that Warriors loss. Excuse me. After that Golden State Warriors loss, overtake the second seed. Yes, you've heard me right. The Memphis Grizzlies, a team that had to fight the Warriors last year in the play-in to get into the playoffs to get swept by the Utah Jazz, is now currently the second seed over the Warriors, over the Jazz, and is six, seven, no, not six, seven games behind the Phoenix Suns. Now, more than likely, the Phoenix Suns are going to hold on to that first seed as they uh, beat the Knicks the other night off a Cam Johnson game winner after him dropping 38 Fuck, 38 points? What the hell? He did drop 38 points. That's... Wow, New York. New York. You're such a... New York. I fucking hate making fun of New York. Man, you like Cam Johnson drop 38. But beyond that, let me stay on topic before I just start making fun of the Knicks because I don't... I don't like the Knicks at all. Yeah, 38 by Cam Johnson. <laughs> He's older than Devin Booker when he got drafted. <laughs> oh, this team is New York. What fucking seed are you? Eleventh? Oh, fucking god, you're such a shit show. How did you go? No, twelfth seed. Oh my god, twelfth seed, dude. Lottery, lottery, lottery. I don't know what happened with them. But Phoenix Suns holding on to the first seed, presumably. But you, the Memphis Grizzlies, as of right now, playoff begin. And let's say playing didn't fuck anything up. They would play the Minnesota Timberwolves, which I assume they would just pack up. 
in five to six games. But are the Memphis Grizzlies legit? Now, this is a very young team, and there are many players on this team that I thoroughly enjoy watching. As yesterday, they beat the Magic. No one cares about the Magic, though. They won 124-96. Uh, and let's look over here. John Morant, 25. Desmond Bain, 24. Jaron Jackson played good. Zaire Williams. I'll talk about him in a little bit when I'm, I want to talk about some rookies that I think have been not really talked about this season. And I feel they need some praise. He'll be one of them. And this team is just really solid, really well defined, and it's been amazing. But how far can it go? Now, I think it goes as far as John Morant can take them. And right now, third, third year John Morant in the MVP conversation. I have a question for anybody listening to this podcast. And if you want to send in a question to me, uh, go to me on Twitter. Type in at Chef Seth. Chef is going to have two Fs. Yes, it's going to be Chef Seth, C-H-E-F-F-S-E-F-F. Send that to me on Twitter. Ask me any questions or debate me on this. Can John Morant win MVP this year? I don't believe he can. Now, I now I, I bring up this question not only because media talked about it, but because I went to school the other day. I'm still in high school. I still have to do that for a couple more months until I graduate. And I mentioned that I said, who's winning MVP to a couple of my friends? You know, they've lived here in Tennessee for a while. And they said John Morant. All, there's like four or five of them, they all said John Morant. I thoroughly disagree with them. I thoroughly think that Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, and maybe even Giannis Antetokounmpo, Antetokounmpo deserve, deserve that MVP more than John Morant does. Now, why is that? Now, why is that? Do I think John Morant is overrated? No, I don't think John Morant is overrated at all. I think this man is fucking amazing at basketball. I think you can make an argument, since with like all the injuries and stuff, that John Morant right now is sitting on that 10th spot of the best player's Ooh, excuse me. That John Morant is sitting on that play on that tenth best player spot, and that's really fucking good. <laughs> that's really fucking good. But do I think that? Do I think he's in the MVP conversation? No. I think he is. Well, I think he is in the conversation. Like DeRozan is in the conversation. As if their names are going to be mentioned because they're playing phenomenal basketball. They are doing great in what in what they have accomplished this year. Yet, I don't believe they're actually going to win it. Now, why is that? Well, I can't say record. But what I can say is the Grizzlies are 12-2 and two without him this year. So, when usually people talk about MVP, they talk about three things. They talk about seeding. They talk about actual performance. And they talk about performance without team. Now, the Grizzlies have two of those. They have seeding and they have performance. John Morant with two phenomenal games together. Nice. Let's look at them again. John, oh, they lost to the Celtics, so. But when they played the Grizzlies, John Morant had a fucking game. This man had 46 points. John Morant had 46 points. And then he went two days later. And said, uh, and said, <laughs> and said, I'm pussy. He said, I'm pussy? Question mark. And went and put 52 on on a Popovich head as he trying to chase that uh, all time win for a coach. And so he has a performance, but without him, 
which I think is the biggest determining factor on if the Grizzlies, how important he is to the Grizzlies. I think he's very important. I think he's the engine of the team. He is their superstar player. He is their man in the future. But this season has shown they can win without him. And this is a very good, competent team compared to someone like the Nuggets. The Nuggets, 1-5 without Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic, the best passing big in the league, one of the best offensive players in the league, can score on anybody at will, even Rudy Gobert, who's one of the best defensive centers of all time. Say what you want, say what you will about his playoff performance in the past. He is the best, He's one of the best defensive centers, and Jokic makes him look like a little baby... And then you come over to the East, you look at Joel Embiid, who now just acquired James Harden, but before that had been out of his mind, had been looking crazy, been making anyone, I mean everyone looking stupid for saying that you would trade him over Ben Simmons two years ago because of health issues. Because of health issues, and he hasn't been hurt. But Darren Moore has capitalized, got James Harden, and he's been playing even better. 50 bomb. Been no team can guard him, no team can guard Harden. That pick and roll is going to be fucking deadly. And then Giannis Antetokounmpo, two-time MVP already. Uh, finals MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. Probably going to win Defensive Player once again. And it's still, despite starting slow on the season because of COVID, because of injuries, Giannis has been dominating. Last other night beating the Bulls. We'll talk about how the Bulls are frauds in a minute. And Giannis with 34-16. and 16 is still putting up phenomenal numbers. I don't think he'll win it, but I think within standings, Giannis deserves more praise than, than Ja does. And also I say with that because I believe Ja right now is playing in the weaker conference. The Western Conference has not been as phenomenal as it used to be in the last couple of years. The Western Conference used to be the biggest bloodbath you would see on television every day and every night. Yet, we come into the season now, we have many, many more teams than usual who are under 500, and we have many, many more teams than usual who are missing players and just overall not as competitive as you go to the Eastern Conference, where the Eastern Conference is a bloodbath, just like the, how the West used to be. With the Heat getting some separation, with about four wins over the 76ers and Bucks, and the Bulls as well, <laughs> and... <laughs> This team is just actually just, and I mean, 1 through 8, you can make a very, very solid argument that they would make the NBA Finals. Maybe besides the Cavaliers and the Raptors, 1 through 8, you can make a solid argument that any of these teams should make the NBA Finals, come out of the East, and that's crazy. When you come to the West, you see teams like the Utah Jazz, you see teams like the Denver Nuggets without... <laughs> Jamal Murray without Michael Porter Jr. You see teams like Clippers. You see teams like the Lakers. You look at all the teams. You're like, yeah, these teams aren't going to the finals. So, we're, so it's all that said. Is John Murray in the MVP conversation? Truly, truly, is he in the MVP conversation? I say he's fourth or fifth in the conversation. Now, if he starts going bonkers, if he go even crazier than he already has, and somehow is able to, I don't know how the Suns would give up that first seed, but if he's somehow able to get that first seed from the Phoenix Suns, you want to give him the MVP from there, be my guest. Go right ahead. Go right ahead and give him that MVP award. But until that happens, I believe that the two big men of the future, Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid, and our versatile all-time top 15, top 20 player of NBA history, Giannis Antetokounmpo, had to say in the matter 
of if he should be in the conversation for MVP. And you could even make the argument that DeMar DeRozan deserved more MVP talks than John Morant. That's a whole other topic. Now, now that we're talking about teams, fuck, where was I gonna go with that? Let me look at my let me look at my notes. I had like a whole transition, everything for that. But John Morant is just a phenomenal player. I know that's like me beating down on him and saying like, oh, he doesn't deserve MVP. He's just not good. Now, blah 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 blah. I didn't pull any attacks, any any uh, advanced statistics. I didn't pull anything out. I'm just watching the games, watching how the team plays. And showing that Jamal Morant is getting all the media attention right now. But within the actual true eyes of the talk, once the stars of the shine of the new toy goes away, the true light shines on the real MVP of the league, which happened to be MVP Joel Embiid, who I believe is going to win MVP this year. Oh yeah, in my second topic, I was just going to talk about teams we're doing after the trade deadline. I've already talked about the Kings and the Mavericks, how they've been doing good after the trade deadline. Well, how the Mavericks been doing good after the trade deadline, not the Kings. No, fuck the Kings. They have not been doing good at all. Uh, well, let's touch on my Pacers real quick. Indiana, Malcolm Brogdon's back from injury after the All-Star break. He's been hooping phenomenally, showing that he is still a good player in this league. Don't forget about him. Uh, played the Magic there, and I didn't play in weak competition, but he had 31 against the Magic. Almost a triple-double, and they played the Pistons once again, and he had a 26, and so he's been playing really good, so I'm just not gonna, I'm just gonna really touch on that. Tyrese Halliburton's kind of doing his thing, but the main teams I want to talk about, the Nets versus, Nets and Sixers. Sixers have been almost unbeatable since Joel Embiid and James Harden had came around. Last night, Harden had a sit, so the Miami Heat were able to take advantage of that and get a win in a low-scoring game in today's league. And with the Nets, Ben Simmons has not returned, whether it because of, because of back issues or mental issues, whatever it may be. Ben Simmons has not returned just yet. And the Nets sit at 32-32. and 32. Who knows where they will end the season at? With Ben Simmons, without Ben Simmons, who knows? With KD, without KD. With Kyrie, without Kyrie, who knows? But until then... I'm curious to see what will happen. I'll leave the verdict out on that. And what other team do I want to mention? The Warriors, they're getting at, they're getting back Draymond soon. They're getting back Wiseman soon. Moses Moody is looking good. He's looking playable. Jonathan Kaminga is looking amazing. The Mavericks, I already mentioned the Mavericks. Uh, Nuggets. They still, oh, Nuggets. There are actually rumors that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. can come back by playoff time there are rumors that it's possible they will come back by playoff time which is amazing which is big because this Nuggets team only two wins away from the four seed keep in mind they are two wins away from getting home court advantage in the playoffs for most part are about to get back two of their best players to put alongside Nikola Jokic which is scary T-Wolves have been 11-4 in their last 15 games Clippers have been beating down on the Lakers as of recently, 34-31, and 31, with their role player squad and Tyron Lue. And yeah, that's about it with that. I thought that section would be a little bit longer, but I think that's going to let me transition into one of my final topics before I get to my Westbrook, Westbrook debacle where he could go with the, with finally some rookies. That need to be talked about just a little bit more. 
Now, I'm going to keep this section a little short because I am running a little low on time. 10.56, I need to get to work by 11.20, 11.30-ish, or get out the door by then. So, we'll keep this section a little short so I have a little time for Westbrook rant. So, Josh Giddy, Rookie of the Month, once again. I think he's out with injuries right now. But, Josh Giddy is a phenomenal player. I remember at the beginning of the draft when... <laughs> And any of you guys remember that uh, graphic from the draft where uh, Josh Giddy had a, uh, fuck, what was it? The draft analyst said, like, basically Josh Giddy would bat at everything but bas would get at everything but basketball. Would, no, he was bad at everything that involved basketball. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he was bad at everything involving basketball. And everyone was like, oh, my God, why the fuck did another draft this guy so high? I think they drafted him, like... Eighth? Fucking eighth. Yeah, they drafted him at like six or eight. But he's been phenomenal next to Shea, next to uh, Lou Dort, along with Poku and all of them. This team showed so much potential in the future, and it's one of the most interesting teams to watch. If you're a Thunder fan and live in the Oklahoma area, you have something to look forward to. You have something to look forward to more than the New York Knicks, who have no idea what they're doing. You have something to look forward to more than the Sacramento Kings. And the Trailblazers, who don't know what the fuck they're doing. And this draft class is actually looking really, really fucking sweet. One through five. So, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs. Then you go down, Josh Giddy, uh, fuck who else? Fuck who else? Franz Wagner, uh, Johnson Kaminga, uh, Herbert Jones. I'm just naming all players at this point. Isaiah Williams, and all these players have been playing fucking phenomenal. <laughs> and it kind of makes you wonder, it's like, how? How is this draft class so good? Even Jalen Green, who was looked at as a bust to begin the season, is doing really good. He's averaging 15 points. It went on a bit of a streak. and shooting really good from three. And it's playing really... No, not so. No, not the mic. Buddy. Oh, damn it. Okay. Gonzo, stay there. That's my cat. Hey, buddy. Stay there, please. I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, buddy. Pew, 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 pew. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Josh Giddy, very phenomenal player. One of the best passers in the league. Amazing hair. I'm jealous. I want his hair routine. But I want to move on to another rookie who, as we go back to the Grizzlies. Oh, that's the transition I wanted. Yes. Fucking Zaire Williams. Yes. Zaire. This man is good at basketball. I, I mean, obviously, he was taken 10th overall, but he was kind of a question mark when he was picked. People really didn't know what to think of him. And so, as I was thinking of the topic throughout the week, I was watching highlights, I was watching him play through games, and there are two things I want to mention about him. One, his efficiency with shooting. Let me actually look up his numbers, because I was watching him, and it felt like he couldn't miss from three whenever he got the ball. Obviously, I know he has, but... It's just an exaggeration, so, you know, obvious. let's look through here. Stats on the season. Only averaging 8 points, 2 rebounds, having, he's not the greatest player, right? He's not the best player you're going to get out of the draft. And he's only shooting 30% from 3, but I think those numbers aren't reflective of what he actually does, because, I mean, he has many games where he'll go like 2 with 2, 2 with 3, 3 with 6. He doesn't get high volume, but he hits it every now and then. I think it's really his streak is now picking up throughout the last couple weeks. But this man had done a few things I really like. One, his versatility. He is very tall. He's 6'8". He can play either forward position. 
at small forward, power forward, and he can potentially even play shooting guard. I don't know if he'll have the lateral quickness to play shooting guard, but he can definitely do it. Defensively, he looked fine. I'm not sure about rebounding. That might be a little suspect, so if you want to play him as a forward, a little bit of question unless you're spacing out. But when we get to his shooting and his vertical ability at dunking and finishing at the rim, that is what I really like. You'll watch many plays on the fast break where him and Ja Morant will go on the two-on-one, and Ja is so confident and knows him so well, he'll just lob it up. Just lob it up, and Zaire is going to catch it. Zaire is just going to catch it and dunk that thing on whoever or whatever. And then also with shooting, you get him in the corner and he's hitting it. There's many. There's a few plays where he'll get the ball. He operates with very few dribbles, but work out very well playing next to Desmond Bain and Ja Morant. This is a weird Grizzly team, huh? This is a weird Grizzly team now that I think about it. That's something. <laughs> it would have stopped Desmond Bain and Zaire Williams and Jaron Jackson and John Morant would be the leaders of the second season in the West. Who would have known? Who would have known? But this team is good nonetheless. And, J- and Jair, Zaire has been playing great. Had a 21-point game versus the T-Wolves. That was my main focus in how he shot. I think he had one play where it was a handoff. He did one, two dribble, pull up. It looked fine. It looked good. His jump shot is solid. When he starts developing more in the offseason and getting stronger, getting bigger, he's only 20, and he starts really putting up stuff. I think that's when Dylan Brooks is starting going to look to get flexed out of the team and maybe get moved in the offseason this year or next year. Who knows? But Zaire is playing phenomenal. He'll be a great fit next to He'll be a great fit. And now the only question moving forward is, with the Grizzly team is, can Jaron Jackson play center, or will he stay at power forward? I think he'll stay at power forward, but that's another talk. I think we now covered my next rookie. No, I think it's time to cover my next rookie. Uh, what's the Gonzo? Don't do this shit. Don't do this shit. Love you too, buddy. But I gotta finish this podcast. Oh, fuck. Actually, I mean, fuck it. I'm not going to cover another rookie. I think I was going to cover Davion Mitchell, Trey Man. I was shitting on the Kings, but I really want to cover Davion. Great defender. Great hustle player. He has a great jump shot. I think he's going to be good once he gets up. I think that's why the Kings actually traded Tyrese because they were so confident Davion is going to be good once he actually starts going and really like develops into his own, even though he's a smaller guard. And Trey Man has the nastiest step back I've seen from any rookie. And he can actually have legit potential to become a really good scorer. The question is, will it be on OKC? I don't know. They have so many guards. It's kind of hard to tell. But it's such a de- it's a developing team. So who knows? Who really knows at the end of the day? Now, finally. Finally, the topic I really want to talk about that I put to the end of the podcast. Uh, give me a second. Let me get a drink. Oh, boy. <sighs> The topic I really wanted to mention. Fuck, what was it again? Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. The man who had been on everyone's lips, who had been in everybody, the name who had been in everybody's mouth, and the player who everyone had criticized so heavily this season for his play in LA. Oh my god, I have a lot of text messages. I'll get to those in a minute. But. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> man, jo- not Ja Morant. Russell Westbrook has been iffy. I know he had 20 points the last night, but he's been iffy this season. And I think it's not to his fault. 
for the most part. I say, you know, there's things like questionable playmaking, him still not being able to shoot this far into his career, and other aspects. Or when I say playmaking, I mean more decision making within the half court. But I think that's also a product of the system he's playing within, not really suiting him. I mean, the Lakers have shooters, but they're not great shooters. They're not people you're going to rely on. Like, Stanley Johnson kind of hit his, but we watched, like, Kent Bazemore hit the side of the backboard the other night. We're not really going to hit a team with great shooter. AD, when he's healthy and not shooting like that, LeBron is your best shooter, but he's not catching shooting. He's making his own shot happen. Mellow's mellow. And so, Russell Westbrook needs a change of, change of scenery. The only problem is, no matter how much he wants that change of, scenery, change of scenery, two things will have to happen. He will have to, one, A, get traded in the offseason, or two, when he, or two, instead of getting traded, have to decline the player option. Now, most people would say, okay, decline the player option, that's a lot less hassle for both teams and work down the end. Yeah, but... How willing are you to turn down $47 million? How willing are you to say no to $47 million? How important is your mental health, your reputation, your play basketball? How important is it in comparison to $47 million? I would really want to know, especially from Westbrook, because he is a player who... I feel has nothing to prove. He's already won MVP. He's been to the finals. He made many member of playoff runs, and he's done many great things out his career. He has a triple double record. He has many things. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. And if he wants to win a championship, if he doesn't, so be it. But with that said, with the scrutiny he has been under, and with his uh, with his overtime gain volatility within the Lakers organization and reports that everyone in the Lakers besides Frank Vogel wants to bench Westbrook. Where should he go next year? That's a really good question. Where should Russell Westbrook go? What team should he play on? How would he play on that team? But I think the main question is what team he should play on. Now, I would say the criteria for what team he will play on, I assume he won't go back to a team like the Rockets or the Wizards. I assume he won't go back to the, the team because they treated him recently, and I imagine, I don't think they ended on great terms when he wanted out. But, and also, I am also eliminating teams that are very low, non-playoff, non-championship contending teams, such as Knicks, Pacers, Pistons, Magic, Rockets, uh, fucking, who else? Thund- uh, not Thunder. Kings, Spurs, Blazers, all of that, right? And, like I said, I think competing for a championship is a team that he is a thing that he really wants, and also I think he wants not that much spotlight on him. I think the spotlight definitely got to him, and I mean I don't blame him taking all that scrutiny. It's gotta fucking suck. I mean half the people dishing out could not take anything what they are receiving from Westbrook. They would break down on tears on video if they had any of the hate comments coming towards them instead of going outwards. And so that kind of leaves a couple areas where I think Westbrook could go. A team I would really like to see Westbrook on, the Nuggets. Now, you may be like, uh, they have Jamal Murray. They have the, where, where is he going to play? Off the bench? Yes. Well, I mean, they already have Monte Morris. But I would just love to see how Westbrook interacts with Nikola Jokic in, in an offense. I just want to see how that would work. I mean, it would just be so gonzo. You got to go, buddy. No, buddy, you gotta go. Get off.
I'm sorry, that's my cat. It's fucking love him, but Jesus, man, he doesn't have any spatial awareness sometimes. So big, he's like 20 pounds, but back on to it. Russell Westbrook interacting with Nikola Jokic on cuts. Dishing back and dishing down back and forth. That would be amazing to watch. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think Westbrook turns that down. I imagine he'll probably get anywhere from 5 to $10 million. A team that could also want him would be New York. The New York Knicks are in need of a point guard. Kemba Walker failed. Alex Burks, not really ideal. He gets the job done, but not the job doesn't get done well enough. And I think a team, and I think he could potentially fit well. Maybe Julius Randle remembers how to shoot a basketball. If R.J. Barry can keep playing how he does, if the team, I don't know, he'd be such an awkward fit. And I say spotlight is a very big thing, so I don't think he would go there. The team I think he'd go to though would be the Pelicans. A team like the Pelicans, who show great signs with C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Jonas Valachunas. My only question is, how would Westbrook operate at the third string, as a fifth string scorer at that rate? Because honestly, he's struggling as a third option, so I couldn't imagine how he would operate as a fifth option. Maybe he takes a step back and finally does it. But, man, it's just a mess. It's such a mess with Westbrook. I feel so bad. But I think there's one team in the West that can really have Westbrook and can really capitalize on him and really give him a chance to win a championship with him as a starting point guard and him operating really well. It just happens the team is next door in the same arena. The Los Angeles Clippers. Now you may be wondering, why the hell would Westbrook go to the Clippers? You said he wanted spotlight. You said, you said he wanted out of L.A. Well, there's a difference. When you play on the Clippers, you don't get as much spotlight attention on you as you do on the Lakers. It's just it's just how it works. It's the same with Nets and, and the Knicks. Now, Nets and the Knicks, relatively, are having about the same success when you think about it. They're both very much underperforming. But you don't really hear about the Nets underperforming. They're at 500, and you know why the Knicks are underperforming, and you're hearing about it every night. You know they suck, <laughs> and people are going to let you know they suck. Why? Just a matter of fan base and also media attention. Media attention not really going to focus on them as much because they're just a smaller little brother of the team, of the organization in the same arena. And that's what LA Clippers give you. That's the that's actually an advantage in a way because the Clipper team they went back to the 2019 roots of being a grit and mutter fucking grind team. This team is gonna give you hell. And there's no one on this roster who should instill fear into your name. I mean, tell me, I mean, tell me again if Reggie Jackson or Nicola ba- Nicholas Batum or Marcus Morris or Vika Zubak or Luke Kennard instill fear in your in your mind in any way, shape, or form. Let me know if that happens. But no one on this team as of right now, because of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard being out, give you any sense of fear. But with Kawhi Leonard back with Paul George back, and I don't know who they have to have on free agency, but if Westbrook turns out his $45 million, I imagine money doesn't matter at that point. I imagine that he just wants to win at all costs, no matter what. So they bring in Westbrook, whether that be a starting point guard, whether that be a backup point guard behind Reggie Jackson. Either way, Westbrook comes in. Now, Westbrook, he is familiar with a few players on this team. Paul George, he... And Paul George has some of their best season playing together in OKC. Reggie Jackson used to be his backup. 
and that's kind of about it when it comes to familiar faces, but the Clippers are just a different team, and they're going to have less spotlight, they're going to be competing for a championship, and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George all both have a chip on their back, as the last two years not being able to win has really, really messed with them, and I believe they want it bad. I believe Westbrook, if he wanted to really give it back to the Lakers and say, fuck you, for all the pain, all the trouble you and your fans had caused me and made me believe I wasn't good at basketball anymore, fuck you. And this team goes and wins the championship with Westbrook, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, or Zubox, or however they fit the lineup. That would be poetic. And I would really love that. And I think Westbrook would be a great fit. I feel like Ty Luke can actually scheme up something for him. And actually make him work, unlike Frank Vogel, who is just not able to operate this team. I think the Lake, I think it worked out both for great sides. Honestly, I believe both teams become a lot better if they just if he turns down. But forty-seven million dollars is so much money to turn down. I mean, who would you turn down forty? <laughs> I wouldn't turn down forty-seven million. I don't care how much money I'm making. Forty-seven million on the table, and it's just one year. I don't know if I'd turn that down. I don't think I would. It would take a lot for me to turn that down. I mean, Jesus, you would have to have to do a lot of shit to make me turn that down. But uh, the only other team I could see him going to would be OKC. But the only reason he goes to OKC, one last year, farewell tour, hurrah, have a little fun at home, retired with the team that gave him all his cha- all the chances, all the life, and worked around him, got him his MVP, really made him valuable and loved, and he would retire there. And maybe he does that in the future, and maybe not next year, but maybe two or three years down the line, Westbrook retires, and we witness one of the best point guards of all time, say the final hoorah. But until then, he will have to stay on L.A., and at the end of the season, whether they lose in the playoffs, or lose in the play-in, or win a championship, Westbrook will make a decision. $47 million, or the freedom to win a championship on a team that won't kill me, won't cru- crucify me, won't criticize me. And will actually let me play and fully perform at my peak level. What will he choose? We shall find out. But until then, I think we'll be wrapping up the episode here. It's 11.15 a.m. I have to get to work. I work at noon. Ooh, this is a late episode. This went on a while. Jesus Christ, this went on a while. How long? 46 minutes? Ooh, love to see that. We're getting better with talking a lot. And I hope that with me talking a lot, this is going to be a sign that I can hold the topic a lot more and maybe I can develop more things to say and really keep honing my skills in, the NBA, in knowing NBA knowledge because that's what I'm really trying to do. So yeah, but until then, until the next episode, whether that be next Wednesday, next Saturday, next week, two weeks from now, who knows? I'm signing out. I'm your host, Seth Thorpe, aka Chef Chef. Chef. <laughs> Seth Chef? Uh, Chef Seth. Until then, I'll see you next time. Peace.